It's Wednesday, September 3rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser. Thanks for being here, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I always mean it when I say thanks, but I especially mean it today because I basically gave you about 15 minutes heads up. Well, like I said, I mean, it was on my calendar already, so I was actually thinking I was, uh, you know, slated to be in here, and then I thought, well, you know, it's getting close to time, and I haven't seen any emails, so we probably, you know, lucky for me, I, you know, I wake up and the first thing I check is, you know, Twitter and. Wall Street Journal and just catch up on the news. So, all sorts of stuff going on. There's a lot going on. <laughs> let's let's start with uh, CVS because back in February, CVS Caremark Corporation, the formal name of the company, and again, this is the leading drugstore chain in America. Back in February, CBS, uh, CVS announces effective October 1st, we are done selling cigarettes. We are done selling tobacco products. Our business is consumer health. Mm-hmm. And on that day, shares were down, shares of Walgreens were up because, by the way, that's about $2 billion in revenue that they're kissing goodbye. And there were investors at the time and prognic- uh, prognosticators at the time saying this might not work out well for them. Yeah. They come out today and announce first of all, forget October 1st, we're doing it a month early. So now, 7,800 locations across America no longer have these products. And they also announced they are formally changing their name to CVS Health. Yeah. Shares hitting an all-time high today. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it was easy when the news first came out that they were going to do this. I think a lot of people focused, you know, they anchored on that $2 billion number. But let's put this in the grand context of the company. It's it's not even 2% of their overall sales, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's... 1.5% 1.5% of their overall sales, maybe. So, I mean, it is it is in line, really, with what they want to to do. I think leadership is, you know, making a bold decision here and sort of determining what they want to stand for and the direction that they want to take the company. It, it does seem like you have two forces sort of, you know, at odds there when you're selling people, you know, the, the prescriptions and health products to make them feel better, along with tobacco products that, that are, you know, proven to uh, be be bad for you. So uh, you know they're they're placing their they're placing their bets and, and they're making that call. And I think that you have to respect that. Um, I, I think it's worth noting too that they they are not going to sell electronic cigarettes. You know they, they're not going to like just sort of be a part of that market either because that, that just I think the perception there is one that they don't even want to deal with. So uh, you know we've always talked about like CVS and Walgreens and, and the problem there is in, in Rite Aid. I mean they're all kind of just sort of commoditized to the extent that you just go to the one that's closest. Uh, but they make most of their money from selling prescription drugs. I mean CVS is seventy percent of their sales are prescription drugs. Uh, you know, versus eleven percent over the counter personal care, five percent beauty and cosmetics, and then fourteen and a half percent or so is, is in general merchandise. Uh, so they're levered to that prescription drug market, and and I, I I can't help but wonder. I mean, there seem to be some headwinds there, and and I don't know how much they will be able to control on the pricing side of that. You know, when you have a healthcare system that's so uh, based on an insurance uh, system that is uh, let's 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 just face it I mean, complicated. It, it complicated <laughs> doesn't even begin to describe it and and I think that uh, you know that that really puts these pharmacies 
in, in a little bit of a bind. And so the growth side is coming from acquisitions, right? I mean, that's the strategy is, is to grow via acquisition. And CVS is uh, doing just that. I mean, go back to 2009, it looks like they've made 14 acquisitions since then. And they'll continue to do that. And Walgreen will continue to do that. And these will be the two big players in the space. Uh, they'll probably continue to grow okay because of that. I mean, I think that with a growing population, and if you get more people into the healthcare system, and in theory, more people should be buying more drugs, and and uh, you know, that should help uh, the, the long-term uh, picture for both of these of these companies. I don't know that I'm necessarily all that enthused uh, over either one, but but they've performed well over the last five years. I also think the minute clinic concept that they have is something that they can grow. I'm not saying they get that into all 7,800 locations, but I think going along with the, among other things, complications of the insurance system, there's something really great about knowing that, for example, you've got a sore throat, you want to get a strep test, you go to a clinic, and you're just paying a flat fee. You're it, the simplicity of it, where it's like I, because doctors' offices, depending on who your doctor is, sometimes that's a real pain in the butt to try and get to. And, and uh, so, I think the simplicity of that is one more slight growth opportunity. It's not, it's not on its own a reason to buy the stock, but I look at that and the fact that they, are, they have the Minute Clinic in just a fraction of their locations. That's, yeah. that's one more growth opportunity. I, I think you're right, actually. I, I think that the, the medical profession here in the United States is in the middle of a major uh, major shift. You know, I was reading an, an interesting essay uh, over the weekend that was written by a physician who was talking about that very thing. I mean, you know, many years ago, you know, medicine was seen as sort of a noble profession. They held sort of a status in, in you know society, and it was it was a much easier time. Uh, and then what they've seen uh, here over the past couple of decades really is that. Uh, doctors are, are increasingly less happy about their decision to go into medicine. They're finding more and more roadblocks into really doing what they want to do. Uh, you know, more and more doctors saying that if they had it to do over again, they wouldn't do it uh, because of you know this complicated insurance system and uh, just the, the the administration system that really sort of ties their hands and doesn't let them practice medicine the way they'd like to practice. So I, I think that we are we are going to see more of those minute clinics. I think uh, that's definitely an opportunity out there. I think when you have Look at websites like like WebMD. You know, I mean, you can find an answer for pretty much anything these days on the internet, uh, and then and then figure out a solution. So, I mean, gone are the days where you have to rely on going to your doctor or the hospital necessarily. And and so, yeah, I think that's definitely an opportunity out there. Apple has their big event next week, September 9th. Ooh, so the worst kept secret no. in the technology <laughs> world that they will unveil the iWatch and iPhone six. But Apple very much in the news this week with (laughs) the hacking. iWatch. Yeah. Well, we'll get to the iWatch in a second. But uh, very much in the news this week with the the hacking over the weekend, uh, or it came to light over the weekend, all of these celebrity photographs, movies, all of these files being hacked and put out on the internet. And Apple denies that it came from the iCloud. It's not really clear at this point, uh, um, you know, to what extent, if any, they were at fault. Some people are out there claiming well, their security wasn't what it should be. But what is clear is that this, in some ways, um, more so than anything since I would say the Target 
uh, hacking of the uh, of the credit card system last holiday season. This put front and center in the water cooler conversation the whole concept of data security: yeah. what is safe, what is not safe. And I have to believe that while we look at this very naturally as okay, well, celebrities got their phones hacked and private photographs that they took are now out there on the internet. I think about it from the standpoint of businesses. Oh yeah, businesses who are trying to keep their data secure, probably working with any number of companies, and I'm guessing that a lot of them are on the phone to their data security <laughs> vendor of choice and saying, "Okay, walk me through this again one more time. <laughs> Tell me in a way that I can understand that all of my financial information, all of the patents, all of." I'm paying you a lot of money to keep our information safe. Tell me this is actually safe. I think that's just a, a tremendous hurdle that that more and more uh, technology companies are, are having to face these days. And I'm still I'm, I can't get over like how many people are out there like taking naked pictures of themselves. Yeah, like that's just <laughs> from the very I mean Broido's back there like just ooh 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, the man behind the glass there, Steve Broido. I don't I don't imagine he has any out there on the iCloud, but he he seems to be uh he seems to be getting undressed now, Chris. Look out. Yeah. Um, let's 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 yeah let's let's move forward. Let's move uh, forward. No, I think you know. So what I I think it's interesting because we don't really know how this happened. I mean, it strikes me that it, it seems like it was a deliberate effort to to hack into something. You know, and, and I don't know that it was necessarily something that Apple just had some some flagrant uh, you know opening where, where you know people could just go in there and take whatever they wanted out of the iCloud. Uh, yeah, it it I, you know the iCloud isn't something that really drives Apple's revenue at all. I mean, that's sort of just like a byproduct of having a phone and an and, and an iPad or you know. I'm so I, I don't think it's really something that at the end of the day you're going to look at it and then say, oh my god, the iCloud security has been compromised. What do we do now? Because I don't even know how many people really use it anyway, uh, or, or at least intentionally use it. Uh, but but I think for the longest time, you know, we've we've argued that Apple's unique operating system was a competitive advantage because it was so secure. Um, and I think that as time goes on, we're finding it, it just is a matter of time until it's not as secure. People figure out how to, how to get in there and, and get whatever they want. So I think that's something that Apple's going to have to continue to address, uh, particularly as we see more and more businesses going mobile. I mean, this enterprise mobility management is, is it's real and it's here and it's, and it's growing in a big way. Uh, I mean, more and more companies are opening up mobile operating systems for their you know, businesses, small businesses and large. Uh, in, in what those you know what this EMM this enterprise mobility management uh, movement allows is for these companies to to let their employees choose what devices they like so you're no longer married to that BlackBerry sort of ecosystem that, that for the longest time BlackBerry was was the secure that that was that was synonymous with security right uh, but it's just a matter of time before people figure out how to get around that and and hack into something get your data any which way they want and and now the interesting thing is that Apple is going to be touting this partnership with the payment processors to be able to, you know, purchase things with your phone. And yeah, I mean, you have to wonder, I mean, like, how secure really is that? I think for investors, there are two things to watch for. One is the race for technology security and which companies can come out and be best in class. Because I think the companies that can do that, and I'm not saying there necessarily has to be one winner, but to the extent that companies can establish a, a beachhead, for lack of a better term, in data security, 
and grow their client base over time. I think that's one opportunity. The other thing to watch for for investors is not necessarily an opportunity, but maybe one more thing to add to your checklist, and that is, to what extent, if any, does data security affect the stocks that you own? Because this morning, we're seeing reports of Home Depot dealing with their own type of target-like credit card hack. Um, I haven't seen any numbers of, of how many accounts may be compromised, that sort of thing. You were saying right before we started taping that you were just at Home Depot this weekend. Damn it. Perfect um, timing. But I, I, I think this is one more thing where if you're, if, and I'm not a Home Depot shareholder, but I think you, this is one more thing you now need to add to your checklist where if this type of story comes up, then you need to say, okay, how do I feel about my investment now? And not just from a security standpoint, but from a communication standpoint. To me, that was that was front and center the thing I, I focused on with Target was Greg Steinhoffel, the CEO at the time, and just the, the sort of obtuse communication that they had right out of the gate. And I thought, no, they, they need to be more direct. They're 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 really obfuscating here. Uh, yeah, and I, I think yeah, that was a big opportunity for Target that they let slip. Uh, and, and honestly, I think Apple is is not really doing all that great of a job communicating either. I mean, I think they could probably be doing a better job as well. Um, Home Depot will definitely want to keep an eye on that because yeah, I think that you know framing that. I mean, I think those those types of of incidents are almost unavoidable in today's day and age. So then it is a matter of of seeing how how leadership communicates to the public. To their to their shareholders to their customers because yeah I mean I, it's probably not going to stop me from going back to Home Depot but you know what I try to do is I try to figure okay where does this liability ultimately fall and it's probably going to dictate you know I, I, it definitely dictates how I purchase things now because I'm I'm far less likely ever to use a debit card at any of these places anymore because the debit card you know someone can get that number and go in there and just drain my account I mean ultimately the bank will make me whole but I've got to deal with that cash crunch in the short term right. uh, if I just take you know my American Express card and, and I use that virtually everywhere now because someone gets a hold of that number well they can run up the credit all day I mean, that's American Express's problem not mine right I mean American Express is going to to deal with that and I'm not going to be stuck in any kind of a cash crunch so it definitely will dictate I think it's going to make consumers think more uh, about how they're making their purchases. And then also, I think just with the growth in e-commerce, you want to look at the companies that are really defining that space and really starting that uh, that movement. So, when you, when you see companies like Amazon.com, which is solely e-commerce, you know, among other things, I guess, really, but I mean, it's, it's an e-commerce play there. Uh, you know, you, you, you see how they how they incorporate payments into their platform, how they communicate to their customers. You know, they're getting into payments themselves, so they can control more of that of that relationship there. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's it, this is definitely something that's here to stay. And so I think that uh, management teams will be very wise to to shine a big light on it and focus on making sure they communicate well with the public, both shareholders and customers, because I can make all the different all, all the difference in the world. Let's close with the iWatch, because yeah. I have to say, I'm really curious to see what this thing is that they're going to unveil next week. And I hadn't really thought about it in great detail until this morning. I was doing an interview with uh, one of our uh, radio stations uh, up in Maine. And if you think about it, there were smartphones before the iPhone came out, but they came out with something that just blew away the rest of the category. 
the iPad was an entirely new device. They yeah. created a category. With the iWatch, I feel like we're back where we were with the iPhone, where there are other smartwatches out there. And big, successful companies with smart people working at them have come out with smartwatches, yeah. and there's been no real traction with mainstream consumers. What do you think is going to be in this thing? Or can you even imagine something in this device that makes you and me, and I think we're in the same camp in that we are both skeptical, yeah, and we are both unlikely to buy this, but what do you suppose is in this to make people like you and me go, wow, I, I, I'm a lot more interested in this than I was before this event? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I am definitely skeptical, probably overly skeptical. I mean, Apple has been known to to do things well, obviously, and um, I, I'm more excited about the phone because it's time for me to upgrade and I'm going to get a new phone. Uh, I think the watch, I don't, I don't know that... I don't know that there's anything it could do that would make me want to buy one. I mean, I'm a watch enthusiast. Like, I like real watches. Um, this is going to certainly focus around the health you know, area in, in some capacity. I, I have to believe that they're thinking there would be a way to incorporate uh, you know, the new home kit uh, into this device so that it's something where you could, you could maybe control more things around your house with a device like this, but this, I mean, f- for sure, the biggest question mark with all of these all of these offerings to date is beyond just the novel little health device. I mean, those are neat, I guess, but uh, you know, I don't I don't think you need to pay four hundred dollars for a smartwatch to to be able to keep track of your health. Uh, the the biggest question is what are they going to do that my phone can't do, and you know why why do I want to what what are, what is this device going to do that the other device they're unveiling the iPhone 6 can't do right and i mean why why am i <laughs> they have they, to but don't you they have to be mindful of that i well, i'm i'm certain they are i mean if if they're not well jeez i mean i feel like maybe they <laughs> maybe i should send them my resume they need someone in there thinking about these kinds of things i don't know i mean i, I got to believe they are and, and and i have to believe that's going to be something that that they address there if not uh, this this could turn out to be a very questionable offering at best, but I mean that's just it. It's like what what is this going to do that my phone doesn't already do, and why am I going to pay four hundred dollars for this? Is it going to be an either or proposition? Am I going to get my phone or the iWatch, or is this the thing that you're you're you got to convince me that this is a, a very complimentary offering to my iPhone, and it's going to make my iPhone even better, and, and my iPhone is going to make this iWatch even better? And I I just don't know. I, I don't know what it does to do that. I mean, I guess we'll find out. I mean, I am prepared to be underwhelmed. I hope they prove me wrong. Looking forward to it. Yep. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.